you'll turn with your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, as we continue our study of God's Word in 2 Corinthians, a sermon series entitled, The Power of Weakness. But as we begin, let us turn our hearts again to the Lord in prayer. Let us pray together. Father God, may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, here I am, all of me. Would you be pleased to speak through a broken vessel in a way that tells your story, in a way that shows the portrait of your son, God, would you come and be with us with such power that that our stories again are massaged into yours. And we can leave here with the good news of Christ defining us and having the pleasure of telling your story and all that we say or do. Come and be with us with the power of Christ's name we pray. Amen. Letters of God, a heartwarming movie based on the true story of Tyler Dartrey, uh, an extraordinarily uh, gifted eight-year-old young man who's battling cancer. Interesting story. It's the same, uh, the folks who put out Fireproof and Facing the Giants and those kind of movies. And as a matter of fact, there's a cameo in the uh, movie. One of our own members, Whitney Goen, is in that movie. It's a pretty amazing story. It's a story, it's a true story. A story about a young boy out of Nashville who's battling through what will take his life, terminal cancer. And as he's facing the battle, he's, he's writing letters to God. And he's writing letters to God and he, he's sharing his heart, he's sharing his story. And, and these letters are accumulated in the post office and, and pretty soon uh, these letters are, are getting out and These letters bring the hope of God into the darkest of situations. Because I want you to know that about God. Even when eight-year-old kids struggle with life and death, God is amazingly good in there. And in the midst of that darkness, this light shines. It's incredible. But these letters that this this little boy was writing, uh, these letters to God, start bringing change to the community. I mean, change to those around him because they see the hope of God in the midst of it all. Interestingly, uh, his best friend is a young lady uh, named Samantha or that he calls Sam. And Sam says that, that his whole life, Taylor, Tyler's whole life was a letter to God. Hmm. What an amazing description of eight years, huh? You know, God's word says to us that all of us that are his, all of us that by God's grace have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ, that all of our lives are to be just that, letters to God. But there's more than that. Not only is our life to be a letter to God, Scripture is going to reveal to us an amazing, profound truth. That our lives are to be letters from God. Our, letter, our lives are to be led and lived in such a way that God is going to tell His story through you and through me. 
that God is pleased to tell the whole world of who He is and what He's done through your life and my life. Is our lives in the gospel of Jesus Christ are called to be open letters to God and from God. Well, let's pick up the story here in 2 Corinthians as we see Paul writing to the church at Corinth. God's word tells us that these words aren't just for a long time ago. Because these words were inspired by God Himself. He breathed into these words. These words are living and they're active. They'll, they'll never lead us astray. We can trust in them. But these words are for us today. So whoever you are and whatever you have brought into this room, let me give you good news. God wants to speak to you. And He wants to do it through His Holy Word. So let's be mindful as we hear it. This is God talking to us through Paul. Paul writes, are we beginning to praise ourselves again? Or are we like others who need to bring you letters of recommendation? Or who ask you to write such letters on their behalf? Surely not. The only letter of recommendation we need is you yourselves. Your lives are a letter written out in our hearts. Everyone can read it and recognize our good work among you. Clearly. You are a letter from Christ, showing the results of our ministry among you. This letter is, not, uh, is written not with pen and ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. It is carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. We are confident of this because our great trust in God is in God through Christ. It is not what we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. It is not that we think that we're qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. He has enabled us to be ministers of His new covenant. This is a covenant not of written laws, but of the Spirit. The old written covenant ends in death. But under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. May God truly add His blessing to the reading and preaching of the Word. Yesterday, my daughter, uh, Alice, and I had a privilege with many of the dads here to go on a uh, father-daughter photo scavenger hunt. Uh, we were able to give notes to our daughters saying, come and participate in this memory builder. We had to write a note to our daughters that we were going to give them uh, on this uh, uh, photo scavenger hunt. Uh, we showed up at the space, our youth facility up top, and Sarah, Jane, and Allison had the rules for us, and they had an A to Z list of things that we had to take pictures of. So we were told, bring a phone that uh, bring a uh, phone with a camera on it. Has our times changed or what? You know, I mean, bring your your phone with a camera because you're going to use it. And so immediately, I mean, I'm as competitive as anybody. I welcomed everybody there. I said, thank you for joining me. It's great to have you. And by the way, good luck for second place, because we know who's getting first, right? And just getting behind us. And, and I kind of remember, oh, yeah, this is about me and my daughter, not about winning. I want to win. So we take off. And we have, like, you know, A, uh, you know, artwork. Go find a piece of artwork. B, bagging groceries. Some people had the courtesy to ask people at Publix, can I bag someone's groceries and take a picture? Some of us just went and started bagging groceries. And after you took pictures, you had to email them. Listen to our technology. You had to email them back in as you're out there. 
and just say, you know, okay, hey, I got it. Send it off, uh, you know, on the phone. It's just, it's just crazy, isn't it? And then you come rushing back in and they took all the pictures. Really, by the time we arrived, we were able to take all the pictures, have cake, and all of a sudden show everyone's picture on a big screen. How amazing it is that we could tell the story so quickly. And you know what? The quality was actually quite good. I couldn't believe it. How was it growing up telling your family's story? What did you all have to do to finally tell your family's story? I don't know about you, but my dad took pictures in slides. You know those slides, you know? And so our, our family, the Jake's family stories were held in these carousels that, that every once in a while, maybe once a year, maybe once every other year, something would happen and we'd say, let's take out the family photos. That means that we'd gather in the living room and we'd, we'd pick up and we'd pull up the uh, a screen. Uh, to show, and we get the projector out. Remember the smell of the screen? Did anybody else have those screens? Did anybody else do these kind of things? And, and eventually, you start telling your family's story. I'm the youngest of three. I mean, some of it, I just couldn't wait to get to what? My part in the story, you know? All right, great. That's how mom and dad met. All right, there's where my sister was born. All right, there's my brother. Well, get to me. Get to me. Oh, I'm in the story. Awesome. Okay, I fit here. I fit in the story. Amazingly, it's the same way with God who, who, who wants to tell us the ultimate father uh, who wants us to tell his story through us. And there's a part where we get so anxious and we want to say, tell me where I fit in the story. Tell me where I fit in God's story. Because let me tell you something. You fit. Let me tell you something. I don't know about what your life, what's happening and and your past. And and maybe you didn't grow up with a great family story. And maybe you didn't have those living room moments where everybody gathered around. They saw their story. And maybe right now you're pretty ticked because you're just sitting there thinking, man, I don't have much of a story. I'm telling you what, in Christ Jesus, you got a story. And God wants to fold you into his story and tell his story. We're going to look at three things about Paul as telling us here as we examine uh, God's story through us. We First of all, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. We have to understand their story. Paul is telling some specific things to a specific church at a specific time about specific issues. And so for us to kind of get the context of this, we've got to spend a little bit of time thinking, okay, what's going on here? What, what is Paul's story? So if you want to follow along, you've got a bulletin uh, insert in your bulletin. The first thing is, again, understanding their story or understanding Paul's story. The second thing, the more important thing, is, is understanding God's big story. Because really, uh, we have to understand the big story of God. Because even in Paul's story, it's so loaded with language that goes well beyond his story. I mean, Paul is just loading this, this little uh, piece of Scripture up here with, with obviously hints that there's a bigger story of God. So first thing we're going to do again is, is understand, well, what's Paul's story? The second thing is, is understanding God's big story. For some of you, this may be new. For some of you, you may not think, does God really have a big story? It seems so random. I mean, these 66 books and all the stuff that's been happening. I got good news. There's a, there's a one big story. For some of you, you may have heard this story over and over and over again. And we're going to hear God's big story. And I hope the Holy Spirit is going to pull you to the edge of your seat and say, tell me again about my father. Tell me again. He's getting the slides out. And I want to know his story. And then thirdly, we will see our place in the story, finding our place in his story. That's what it's all about. The first thing is this, understanding their story or Paul's story. Well, it's Paul 
who has planted or started the church in Corinth. So he is writing to a place that he's very familiar with. He's spent time there. He's, he's lived there some. And God, uh, God had called Paul to an amazing ministry. God had empowered him and gifted him to go and bring good news, the good news of what God has done in Christ Jesus, bring this good news to a very pagan uh, a very pagan area of Corinth. The pagan here is, you know, they didn't, they weren't against religions. They almost embraced all religions. And they were very pagan in the way they lived their lives. And, and uh, really, uh, it didn't look anything like this Christianity that we come and know. But, you know, the gospel, we're told, is the power of God. Listen, the gospel of God is the power of God for salvation for all who believe. And, and when you, when you embrace this good news of, uh, of the gospel, of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, man, is it powerful. Your life goes from death to life. You go from a children by nature of wrath to a child of the king. I mean, it's so powerful. I mean, it's such an amazing transformation that happens to you individually that you're called a new creation. All the junk of your past has been paid for. You have been made completely new in Christ Jesus. Man, it's powerful. And so this power was coming and the Holy Spirit was there and, and everything was changing. It was beautiful. But, you know, we still live in a fallen world and even our best changes and even the good things, there's always things that get in the way. And Certainly the Church of Corinth, they had all kinds of issues. But you know what they had? They had people who come in. If you look at chapter 2 at the end of it, it talks about them being called hucksters. These hucksters have come in and they were preaching a different type of gospel and they were stirring up that Paul really had a bad reputation and he, they questioned his calling and his ability. And unbelievably, now get this, here he is, founded the church, he is the apostle Paul and people are saying, well, should we listen to him or should we get a couple of letters of recommendation? Maundy Thursday this year was a great service in our Easter Holy Week. Our founding pastor came and he, he preached. Uh, and man, was he fantastic. I hope you were here to hear it. But can you imagine the church if we said to, to Chuck Green, the founding pastor, hey, come preach for us on our Easter week, but bring some recommendations, won't you? Uh, we want to hear about your credentials. Uh, we want to hear if you're worthy of our pulpit. And, and Chuck could rightly say, here are my letters of recommendation. You're it. I mean, God has used me to start this. And so that's exactly Paul's world of where he is. He's saying, you're, you're my letters of recommendation. You can see the power of the gospel work through me. And it's, look at how it's working through you. You know, I got a personal note I got to say is that, that every pastor, he says, you know, as the world sees my ministry through you. You may want to say, Jeff, all you talk about is Jesus. And I want you to know all I will ever talk about is Jesus. Because I want my congregation to be known and seen as those people in love with Jesus. Those people who know what Jesus has done for them, through them, in them. That's the story. And so when I hear a reputation of Orangewood, what I want to hear about is, man, those people, I mean, they're like singularly focused on Christ as King. May that be true for the glory of God. So, so Paul was saying basically, hey, listen, uh, uh, you, you are their letters of recommendation. But more than that, he's using bigger language. I mean, really, we are letters of Christ. And he starts pulling in some imagery of the prophets like Jeremiah and Ezekiel and those along past. And he's pointing to a bigger story. 
He's saying to the church at Corinth and he's saying to us today, are you kidding me? Don't get caught up down here. Don't forget there's an amazing big story of what God is doing. And that's the second part. Understanding God's big story. You know, from the very beginning and throughout the Bible, God has told us that he has created us and recreated us in his image to be God's storytellers. You were made in God's image to know and love him. You were made in God's image to have a relationship with him. But you were made in God's image to tell his story. When God tells us in Scripture that we are made in His image, He's basically telling us, hey, you are letters from God. I don't know why God desires to tell a story through us. I don't know why. Sometimes I think it's amazingly foolish. But God desires that through your life, through my life, His character is revealed. His love is revealed. And the marvelous work of His Son is seen. You see, the very beginning, God stamped his image on us. Let's just turn there. Let's just go to Genesis 1. Go to the very first page of God's word. And you will see in verse 26 of chapter 1 and 27. Then God said, let us. You can see that there's the plurality of God. We have come to understand it as the Trinity of God. This one God in three persons. Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the, in, in the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the wide, wild animals on the earth, uh, and the small animals that scurry around the ground. So God created human beings in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Good news, women. Good news, men. Male and female, he created them. So here's the deal. God put his stamp on us so that everything we touch, we will put his stamp on that. Does that make sense? God created us in his image so that his image would be everywhere. Well, let me unpack that a little bit more. Every footprint we make, everything we touch, every breath we breathe, we are called to tell his story. Because we have been made in his image. Well, the story starts off that way. We don't get very far. We get three chapters into the story. And we realize that man and women made in God's image, made to know and love God, made to be his storytellers. Guess what? We wanted to tell our own story. We wanted to put our stamp on everything. And we didn't want God's stamp. We wanted our own. And we rebelled against God's story and we nearly destroyed the image upon us. I mean, we destroyed it so much because of our sins, we could no longer tell God's story accurately. I mean, the storyline was all messed up. I mean, we weren't, we were, we were ruined and we had fallen, but there was still a trace of image there. But God could no longer tell his story through us. Something drastic had to happen. And it did. I want to tell you about the big story of the Bible and the big story of God. God didn't give up on us. Are you here right now and you feel your life's in a rut? Let me tell you about God. God doesn't give up. He doesn't give up on us. 
And he didn't give up on us. And he said, my plan from the beginning, before time even began, and my plan now, and my plan forever will be, do you listen to this? God's plan has always been, will always be, that he wants to fill this earth with his glory through his image, you and me. But his plan from day one, he could have done it without us. He chose not to. His plan always was to take his image, to multiply it, and to make his beautiful portrait seen through us. That's the big story of the Bible. And that's what he's done. God didn't give up on that. So the Father sent his Son to rescue the storyline. Jesus comes to kind of to reboot the story. He came to, to restore the storyline. And we see through Scripture, through Genesis to Revelation, that, that Jesus, He's the hope of God's story. I mean, Jesus, He's the climax of God's story. Jesus, He's the hero of God's story. But how did He do it? It was interesting. He, he was talking. He was here. He says, now, some think that I've come to abolish the story. He called it the law. So, some thought that I came to abolish the law. I didn't come to abolish the law. I didn't come to abolish the story. I didn't come to start a new story. I didn't come to, to say that old stuff is gone and there's a new thing that's here. I've come to fulfill the story. Every jot, every tittle, every, every single thing that the law required from a holy God, I came to fulfill. Everything that a holy God's wrath deserves to be poured out on sinful men, I've came, come to absorb everything. I've come to make the story work. I've, stumbled, I've come to make the story complete. I've come and I've revitalized the story that man almost destroyed. And in Jesus, in Jesus, what does that mean? Well, when we're in Jesus, by God's grace... Through faith in Him as our Savior, Scripture tells us we're recreated. We're recreated storytellers. We've been made new to tell His story. And there's more than that. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, when we uh, come to Christ by God's grace, is given to us and it can reconnects us to God's story and empowers us to be His storytellers. How in the world does God do that? Well, Paul's talking a lot about imaging here, imagery of tablets of stone and human hearts and, you know, not written with ink, but with God's hand upon and the Spirit. Uh, if you have your Bibles with, me, with you, please turn to Ezekiel 36. One of my favorite passages. Ezekiel 36, the prophet Ezekiel tells us of the hope of what Christ will do in verses 26 and 27. Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27, God tells us, And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Did you hear when we read scripture about the, the fact that God writes on our hearts? Did you hear that he writes on our hearts through the spirit? You see, Paul was pointing to the bigger story of what God was doing. If you're in Ezekiel 36, turn more toward the beginning to the prophet Jeremiah. Prophet Jeremiah 31. 31 through 34, the prophet Jeremiah, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is telling us of Jesus' coming, a new covenant that Jesus is going to make with us. We'll pick up 
the story in 3131. The day is coming, and by the way, we know it has come, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I love them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I'll make with the people of Israel, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And now he's going to talk about the time coming when Christ does come back. And they will, know, uh, they will not be need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone from the last to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness and will never again remember their sins. See, it's amazing. And so here's what happens in the big story. God says, I want to I wanna have you tell my story. And the only way you can tell my story, there's got to be a heart transplant. Sin has so ruined our hearts that he can't write them on a sinful heart. He's got to start over. And that's what this amazing conversion is, is that, that when we come to Christ Jesus, he takes away our, our stony hearts of sin and he removes them and he gives us an amazing heart of belief and faith and, and he writes his love and his law on that and he gives us his spirit and he even causes us to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. He recreates us to be his storytellers and he starts with heart transplant because the only way he could do it is to make us new. So now we get to the last part, understanding, well, what's our place in the story? Hey, did Mark Zuckerberg have a week or what? Hmm? Mark Zuckerberg is the founder of Facebook. He turned 28 this week. Facebook went public. He became worth $18 billion. He married his longtime girlfriend yesterday. She just finished med school. We talk about a week. Let me say, Mark, what's going to happen next week? Now, Facebook is one of those powerful tools that help many of us tell our story. It's changed the way we communicate. Quite frankly, some of you update it so quick, I don't know why we all think your story is that interesting. And my friends tell me you're the last guy to be on Facebook. I'm not there yet. But you know, Facebook has given us the ability to tell our stories, haven't they? But you know, the thing about Facebook that's interesting, we tell the parts of our stories we want to share. The gospel of Christ gives us a whole lot more power than the power of Facebook. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ gives us the power and the freedom. Listen to this. The gospel of Jesus Christ, what God has done for sinners like us in Christ Jesus, has given us both the power and the freedom to let God tell His story through our lives. And it's an incredibly powerful story to those who are able to read our lives and see Christ Jesus. And here's really where the power comes in. Listen, here's the gospel truth and power. You ready? You don't have to hide a chapter. You don't have to hide a page. You don't have to pretend that that 
thing or that issue or that sin or that circumstance was a part of your life story. Because you want to know what? In Christ Jesus, your story's been redeemed. In Christ Jesus, your story has been forgiven. In Christ Jesus, you have been made new. In Christ Jesus, you have been linked to God's story. And man, does he get glory. And wow, is it powerful if our lives now can become, are you ready, an open book? They got nothing to hide. I am a sinner. I sin all the time. But I am saved by the blood of the Lamb. I love Jesus, but sometimes I live like I don't even know Him. Here it is. It's His story. It's a broken knucklehead. But I'm in love with Him because He's in love with me. And now through the gospel, there's the power of God to live our lives as an open book. Do you know how much energy it takes to hide? (laughs) You know how much energy it takes to hide our stories and cover up our sin and our shame and not let anybody know the truth? You know how that pains the Father? He says, I've taken care of it. I've done it. Bring it to the light. Bring it to the light. We can heal it. We can talk about it. And you know, I'm not talking about making your life an open book to everybody. I mean, I think you should be in community where you could share your story in a safe place where people can handle it. And I'm not talking about the difference between an introvert and an extrovert. Because some of you, I know, my, my wife's an introvert. I mean, it's just, we're just so wired differently. But I don't care if you're an introvert or you're an extrovert. God wants to tell his story through you. And maybe you're never going to be called to stand up in front of people and and to share it, but your life's being read every day. What's not accessible? What are you hiding? I don't have a key to my office. I mean, I don't don't lock it. You want to go in it, you got it. It's there. I don't want to lock it. I mean, I, I don't want to. You know, I mean, I don't want to have stuff in there and I don't want you to find out. And listen, I'm not saying I'm above it. I'm sure if you dig hard enough, you'll find out junk. It's there, okay? But man, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God for us to live our lives like an open book. And you know what that does to the world out there? You know what the world wants us to call us hypocrites and tell us a bunch of people with a bunch of stories that we don't want to say and share. We say, you're absolutely right. We got a bunch of stories. Come on, Adam. Because I'm saved by Jesus, man. I'm telling you, he, he, he washed that part with his blood. I'm telling you, I'm robed in his righteousness. You want to come look? Come look. And you know what you're going to find? You're going to find yourself there. Because my story is like your story. I'm a mess because you're a mess. Because we're broken people. But the difference is my story's forgiven. You know what the freedom is in that? You, mean, you know what God is offering us in freedom? You know what he's telling us? I mean, it's, it's just unbelievable. We don't have to hide. It's unbelievable that we've been set free, that, that our life stories, no matter where we find ourselves, have been united to the victory story of Jesus. I mean, we've been freed. We don't have to try to make our stories make sense. We don't have to, to try to make our stories end in a way that's glorious to ourselves. Christ has already finished the story, you know? Man, there's your freedom there. And the enemy wants to come in and just rob all of it to say, you know, hey, hide some of those chapters in your life. That, 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 those are. Clearly, we don't want to have things in the dark. We want to bring all of our lives to Christ to tell his story. I was handed this this week. It's a little unknown 
It's a, it's a poem by an unknown author. You are writing a gospel story every day by the things you do and the things you say. People read what you wrote, distorted or true. What is the gospel according to you? You know, it's true that you and I are going to be the only Bible some people read. Let's don't let them think that the Bible's about a bunch of religion. <laughs> Let's don't let them think that the Bible's a story about how we got to be perfect. Remember, the, stories of Bible, the story of the Bible is about a God who loves and redeems people who are sinful and guess what? Need a Savior. And if your life tells the world out there that you need a Savior, that's okay. And as long as in the reality of your life needing a Savior, there's a really clear link to Jesus. Because He's the only hope. It's okay. The most powerful story you could tell is your story is an open book where Christ is seen. I wrote a letter this week. And again... I don't do this stuff often. I don't know what this... I just, I just started writing. And this is a letter I felt God writing to a friend of mine through me. So I want to read it to you. So picture this. God, he's writing to my friend, but he's going to refer to me. But instead of me, I want you to say, this is a really a letter that God is going to be writing to one of your friends about you. All right, I'm going to pick on somebody in here because I don't want it to be about me. Dear child, I'm sending you a letter written in Terry, Terry's heart. She will tell you of my character and what my uniquely son, gifted son Jesus has done for her and for you. Watch her closely and notice how she lives. Listen to what she says and what she doesn't say. See what activity she gets involved in and which one she avoids. Pay attention to the relationships in her life. Notice how she honors me as she honors her family. Learn about the proper stance with authority through how she respects authority. Above all, notice how she loves. Specifically, how she loves me first and foremost. And how she loves her neighbor as herself. Pay attention to how freely she gives compliments to others. And is always quick to help others in need. Her hands always seem to have something to give. Uh, She never holds on to anything too tightly except for me, God. Notice that there's a certain aroma to her, the aroma of Jesus, not a fancy perfume. She smells like my beautiful son, Jesus. Notice how she handles difficult situations, especially those that blindside her. See how she stands upon, upon something that doesn't seem to shake even when the whole world is crumbling. Be amazed at her balance upon the rock in the midst of storms, always looking upward to heaven. Be amazed that someone with such a tender heart and sensitive spirit can be wearing my suit of armor that's as strong as steel without hardening the gentleness inside. Make sure you see where she sits in a crowded room. Notice how she always treats those around her like she is just there to serve their needs. Listen to her conversations and count the number of questions of concern for others she has and how rarely she talks about herself. She never focuses on herself, never seems, yet never seems to think less of herself either. Make sure you're around her when she makes mistakes. She will stumble and fall like the world around her, but, she, but her mistakes don't define her. Notice that she never hides behind excuses 
Be amazed that there's a trace of joy when she makes mistakes and how it energizes her relationship with my son, Jesus. And know that Jesus' perfecting performance brings her peace and rest. See how quick she is to ask for forgiveness, even when those around her have bigger reasons to apologize. Her words are filled with power to smooth out the rough places in life, weighty, yet so light to hear and absorb. Her words are intended to benefit others and never offend, or never offered for her own benefit. I'm writing you this letter in and through Terry, because as you read it, I want you to see me. I know that seeing me through Terry will make you realize how much I love you and how I long for you to be like me too. In the blood of my son Jesus, God. I wrote one. There's a male and a female version of this. If you want to take this and you want to say, let me see if this is my life and fill your own life into there. You can see a male and a female. As we close at the end of the service, you can come and pick one up. Let us pray. Father, is it true that you really want to write your story through us? Wow. Thank you, Father, for making us in your image. Thank you, Jesus, for recreating that image in us and allowing us to be, once again, what you, we were created to be, your storytellers. Thank you, Father and Son, for setting the Holy Spirit, for giving us a new heart, for writing on our hearts your love story, and for telling your story through us. Thank you for the power of the gospel, the power that will live our lives as open books, the power and the freedom that is ours to know that God loves us and we have nothing to hide in Christ Jesus. Father, may the truth of the gospel truly fill this church so that we can, for your glory, be your storytellers. In Christ's name we pray, amen.